Welcome to the Leadership Window podcast with Dr. Patrick Jinks. Each week through a social sector lens, Patrick interviews leaders and experts and puts us in touch with trends and tips for leading effectively. Patrick is an LSI certified leadership coach, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, a best-selling author, award-winning photographer, and a professional speaker. And now, here's Dr. Patrick Jinks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 61 of the Leadership Window. Glad to have you along. This is going to be, I don't know, perhaps the shortest episode we've ever done, except for our teaser episode back a couple of Octobers ago when we launched the program. I just have a little something on my mind that I want to share with you that is, I, I, I actually thought I had done an episode on this on my video channel, uh, which is perspectives in nonprofit leadership. And we do these five minute sort of coaching videos. If you've never seen that, go to our website at jinxperspective.com and click on YouTube and you'll see our YouTube episodes. There's actually more YouTube episodes than there are podcast episodes at this point. But I put together these little five minute coaching videos for nonprofit leadership based on things that I see in the field and some of the challenges. It's a combination of my own learning and experience with some concepts that I'm continuing to learn as I coach leaders and boards and nonprofits. And there's a concept that comes up a lot in our coaching. And I wrote an article in Forbes or uh, for um, Forbes.com about this concept. And because I wrote the article, I thought that I had put together a YouTube episode on it. And so I was going to send it to somebody because the topic came up and it wasn't there. And I thought, wow, I could have sworn I did a, an episode on this, but alas, I have not. So I thought, well, I'm going to do my next YouTube episode on this. I thought, no, wait a minute. Let's talk about this on the podcast so that we can just unpack it a little bit more, not have to be so clean and concise to do it in four minutes. We can talk about this a little bit. So this is a solo episode, but I'm going to try to get through this pretty succinctly and give you the concept. And here's the concept. It is what I have sort of uh, come to frame as three levels of leadership engagement. And what I mean by that is particularly the kind of engagement we're talking about when, let's say, nonprofit CEO, any CEOs in any organization, it's not limited to nonprofits, but leaders who are expecting or wanting rather their leaders, their, the people that work for them to take more initiative, to be more leaderly, to, to truly direct and lead and not have to come to them for everything. Or, uh, you know, I, I hear a lot of times, for example, executives that I coach tell me that when they ask a question in staff meetings, often there's just crickets, nobody will say anything or, when they want to become a better delegator, they delegate task and they find that the leaders that they're delegating to just aren't, they're not taking their own initiative and stepping up as leaders. And what I found is that there's really three levels of this kind of engagement that leaders have to achieve or want to achieve. And I want to walk through those three levels with you because diagnosing why your leaders are not engaging to the level that you want them to is step one. If we solve the wrong problem or we apply a solution to the, the wrong problem, it's not going to get us anywhere except for frustration. And, you know, we're going to be baffled as to why our leaders won't lead. So um, I framed out these three 
levels and here they are. The level one is what I call the competence level. It's really important. And this is where quite honestly, many organizations struggle. And if you can't get past this level, you can't move on to levels two and three. You're just never going to have it. The competence level is the level at which the people you are expecting to step up are capable of it. There, you first have to have people who can step up. A lot of times we're frustrated. You know, John just won't, I just can't get him to do this, that, or the other. Well, is John the right person? <laughs> is he capable? Are the, are the competencies there? And oftentimes we have staff teams that are comprised of people who just don't have the capacity to do what it is we wish they would do which is lead. They don't have the competence for it. They don't have the capacity for it. Now, if that's the case, you have a, you have a set of choices to make. And that is, do I keep these people? What's the trade-off? What's the opportunity cost by having people that really can't lead? Is it worth it, for example, to have someone who, man, they, they're really good at these spreadsheets and I need these spreadsheets done, so I, that's why I keep them there. I, I hate to lose them because then I have this institutional knowledge that goes away and we're afraid of losing people because of some particular area or skill set that we think would be difficult to fill. And so we'll tolerate the lack of leadership, the lack of initiative, the lack of engagement, because we feel like nobody else can replace this person when it comes to this very specific skill set. And that's usually a fallacy. It's almost always a fallacy because there's always someone who has the skill set you're looking for. They're out there. We just don't want to go through the pain and the, it's just such a big deal. Like if we have to let somebody go, the other thing is that particularly in the nonprofit sector, we are loath to fire people. We will not terminate them. We feel such empathy and we feel such, you know, like we have to go through every possible scenario and step and unturn, you know, uh, turn over every stone and, you know, just keep applying sometimes the same solutions over and over and over, hoping that they'll create different results. And we just won't separate with someone. And it's an issue. And, and part of the big issue is that in the nonprofit sector, we have a lot of people who identify with servant leadership and they think that servant leadership means serving your people. And we don't feel like terminating them is serving them. And I, when I'm coaching my leaders, I try to help them see a different way of looking at that. Sometimes we are, usually if we're doing it for the right reason, we are actually serving them by separating with them because if they're not engaged, they're not performing, they're not competent, they're not fulfilled either. So you're not getting done what you need to get done and they're not fulfilled. And so you kind of are serving them just in a way that doesn't feel good at the time. But the bigger picture and the more important thing for me is that servant leadership is a subset of steward leadership. Servant leadership is one component or element of steward leadership. And as nonprofit CEOs, we are stewards of the cause. We are stewards of the mission. We are stewards of the public trust. And what that means is our responsibility is to manage the assets of the owner, which in this case is the community, manage the assets such that we're advancing and accomplishing 
uh, a social mission. Well, if we've got incompetent people, we're not accomplishing the social mission. And even if we're accomplishing it to some degree, we're not accomplishing it to the degree that we could if we had the right people on the team. So part of stewardship is not just the money and keeping the overhead low. Part of stewardship is ensuring that we're maximizing all of the resources of the organization and leveraging those resources toward mission accomplishment. And that means human resources. So by allowing um, people who are not performing to stay on the team and continue to not perform the job we need them to perform, which in some time, which in some cases is leadership, that is the job we need them to perform, then we're, there's a trade-off there. And we're sacrificing at least part of the mission for that. So the first level, again, we're, back, we're talking about three levels of engaging leaders, and the first one is competence. If you don't have the right people who have the competencies, you'll never get to levels two and three. One of the questions I ask when I'm coaching leaders who say, yeah, they're just not there, my next question is, well, can you get them there? And if so, what would that take in terms of uh, your investment, um, the tools to apply to get them there, and the time that it would take to get them there? And is that investment of time and energy and whatever else worth, I mean, will that get you there? And so often there's this huge pause in this. If they're really honest, they get down deep and they go, ah, probably not. <laughs> I feel like we can, yeah, they're probably never going to get to that place of such and such. So if that's the case, then you have a set of choices to make. Like I said, you keep them and tolerate it and and decide that what they what they do bring to the table is just not worth losing or the pain of replacing them or whatever or take the adaptive leadership step of saying what do we need in this position and how do we get there so that's level one the competence level ask yourself if your people are not engaging the way you want them to the way you think they should be particularly as leaders First of all, ask yourself, are they capable of it? Do they have the chops? Here's the second level. If they do, if the competence level's there, but they're just not, you're not getting out of them what you want, then the next level is the opportunity level. Uh, another word that you can use for this level is the invitation level. By that I mean, are these competent leaders being invited to take initiative and to lead? Is there actual opportunity for them to engage at an initiative level, a leadership, proactive, self-determination kind of level? Because oftentimes we put people in leadership positions and we call them director, but then we continue to direct. And they then just become performers and task carrier outers. There's a word for you. And if we don't give them the opportunity to actually lead, if we as CEOs don't know how to let go and trust our leaders to lead, then they're not going, then their competence is there, but the opportunity is not there. And eventually they're going to get frustrated and you're going to lose competent people, not by choice. <laughs> you're going to lose them because they are just not, they, those competent people need an outlet where they can fulfill their personal missions and motivations and competencies. Again, it's part of self-determination. People want a sense of control or autonomy over how their work gets done. 
And so this is a, a the, the, the main thing I'll say about this level is something that you've probably heard me say on this podcast somewhere. You've certainly seen it on the YouTube channel if you've watched those episodes or you've heard it if, if I've ever coached you. And that is delegate, leaders should delegate opportunity, not just task. When we delegate to our leaders tasks, hey, I need you to do this. I need you to do this project. I need you to take this on. I need you to, you know, I need you to. It feels more like a, like a work dump than it does development or trust or real opportunity. Whereas when you invite one of your leaders to lead something, so the, the conversation will often go something like, hey, we have this, you know, you've seen our strategic plan and it calls for such and such. I'm looking at maybe putting together a team that does X and I'm thinking you to me are the best person to lead this team. If you think that you've, you've got what it takes, I'll support you in any way that I can, but I think, I think you can do this or would you be willing to accept this? Can you, can you lead this for us? Literally using words like, I, I want to give you an opportunity to lead. Will you lead this for us? Not, will you do this? Or I need you to do this. The framing is critical here. So the question is, are we giving our leaders intentional invitations and opportunities to lead in the way that we're wanting them to lead? It sounds like, well, yeah, of course we are. But really pause and think about that. Really pause and ask, am I really like, what are the opportunities that I'm doing? How am I inviting my people to lead and to step up? And when I do, do I then still step in and walk all over them and do it for them? And do I say too much? Do I direct too much? Or do I truly turn it loose? I'll flip it around for you. I, um, oftentimes when I'm coaching leaders who are not the CEO, uh, I will often say, treat your job as if you were the CEO of your job. So if you're the chief marketing officer, don't be the chief marketing officer, be the chief executive officer of marketing. And the reason I say that is if you, if you had to run, if you had the responsibility and the opportunity to be a CEO that calls for vision and it calls for strategic and intentional leadership. So how would you treat your marketing leadership function if you were to view it through the lens of a CEO of your department? So own your job, be the CEO of your department. Now, flipping it back to the leader, how can you create an environment that allows your leaders to be the CEOs of their jobs? Not of the organization, that's you but of their jobs. How can you create that environment of, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had Nancy Murphy on the program. We were talking about entrepreneurship where leaders inside an organization have the autonomy and the competence to, to bring an entrepreneurial spirit to the work, be innovative, be challenging, have a growth mindset. So how are you creating that opportunity for them? So recapping, Level one, the competence level. Are my people even capable of what I'm asking them to do? If not, got some choices to make. If so, am I providing level two? Am I truly intentionally and proactively inviting them, giving them the opportunity? 
I'm going to head to level three in just a moment, but before I do stay with us, cause level three is a really cool one. It's the place we're all wanting to get. But before we do, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, Leadership Systems Incorporated. Hey, this is Michael Wallace with Leadership Systems Incorporated. And on behalf of LSI, I want to say thanks for supporting our friend Patrick Jinks and the Leadership Window podcast. We've been partnering with Patrick for many years, and we are so proud to have him represent us as an LSI certified executive coach. As a mutual friend, we'd like to offer you exclusive rates on some of the same training that Patrick has received over the years, as well as some new experiences that we've been developing. Head over to leadershipsystems.com slash jinx to see the upcoming training events on our calendar and register today to keep learning and growing. Again, that's leadershipsystems.com slash jinx, J-I-N-K-S, for exclusive pricing on LSI's virtual and in-person training events. Thanks a lot. Level three is the expectation level. Here's what we mean by that. It's one thing to invite your leaders to give them opportunities and special invitations to lead projects, areas, functions, initiatives. It's another thing to expect it. So this is the point at which we say, not only am I inviting you and allowing you to lead, I'm expecting you to lead. This is an expectation. And it gets to an individual level of expectation, but eventually it gets to the cultural level where people who work for your organization know coming in that there's an expectation that people here lead that, you know, it's part of the interview process. It's part of the recruiting process, the orientation and onboarding the, you know, truly because you're hiring people that clear level one, which is the competence level, because you're hiring those people. Uh, yes, the opportunities there and the onboarding create, shows them where all the opportunities are, but then there's an expectation that's laid out and it's part of the organizational fabric that leaders here lead. So there's not a culture of the CEO solves all the problems, answers all the questions, makes all the directives, delegates all the tasks, then manage, manages behind you. And you're just kind of a, you know, you're, 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 um, a station manager of a, of a particular function or station in the organization. Drucker said, you manage things, you lead people. So if we're asking our leaders to lead, there needs to be not only an opportunity, but an expectation of it. There is a, um, a concept that I've really been on lately. Just, I'm so I'm obsessed with it, uh, of accountability and what accountability is. And it's a compound word, account and ability. The expectation level brings that account requires accountability, which is your people have the ability to account. It's not just the, the, you know, there's some punitive consequence. If you don't account it's, I'm going to give you the skills. This organization provides the skills or at least ensures the skills. Cause hopefully you're hiring people that come in with the skills to account for their work. That's true accountability. It's a competency set. It's a skill. It's a, it's an asset. It isn't a consequential, you know, punishment where we're holding you accountable. It's an ability. And how do we create, go from individual accountability to organizational accountability where the organization has the ability, the competencies, the culture of being able to account for its mission, its charge, it's various stakeholder expectations, board expectations, that true stewardship 
where the stewards have the ability to account for their work. But this isn't an episode on accountability. I just wanted to apply that to this third level, which is expectation. All of these come with the notion that you have to allow some room for people to not be perfect. And that's tough. That's where CEOs are. Hey, I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm struggle letting this go and really trusting this person with it. And I always come back to why do you not trust the person with it? Is it because they're not competent or is it, is it just, you've never tried it and you're afraid of the risk or you're afraid of somebody doing it some somehow differently than you do it. Or it's just an area that you love doing and you don't want to let it go. That happens a lot. And it's why the opportunity and invitation level never gets cleared. The CEOs often don't want to let go of things that are fun for them. Real delegation of opportunity and invitation means I'm going to delegate things I like doing, but that somebody else needs to learn how to do and have the opportunities to do those things. Because if you're a CEO of an organization, you got there because somebody gave you opportunity. Somebody let your gifts and talents make room for themselves in some way or form. How are you passing that along to your people? So quick recap, three levels of leadership engagement. If you're looking to, if you're looking to your people to take initiative to truly lead and you want to create that, that atmosphere of trust, one is, do I have the right people and can they do it? Got to answer that question first. If the answer is yes, then am I providing the opportunities and the invitations for my people to lead? And if so, am I getting to the place where there's now an expectation that they lead? It's not just an invitation anymore. It's an expectation. It's part of the culture. It's how we do things around here. We distribute leadership. We empower our leaders to lead. We create atmospheres of autonomy and competence and identity and relatedness with each other and with the mission. And there's just an expectation. People know that here we, we lead. I hope this is helpful for you. If you're looking at a staff team and you're trying to figure out, man, how do we gel? I've got too much on my plate. I, you know, we're a small organization. I'm a CEO. Maybe there's only four or five people in my organization. How do I do this? Um, think about these three levels of engagement and ask yourself first, do I have the right team? Am I providing the opportunity? Am I creating a culture of expectation? And, and if not, how do I get to where I'm doing those things? I hope this has been helpful to you. Um, next, I'm not sure if it's going to be next week. We had a, an episode scheduled. We have had a couple of episodes scheduled with some amazing guests recently that we've had to put off just due to different things, actually both due to illnesses. So I'm looking forward to, to getting those back. We've got um, three or four guests in the works coming up soon. And um, until then, check out our YouTube channel. Just go to jinxperspective.com and then click on the link that says YouTube. When you get there, make sure you subscribe to the channel, by the way, because that way you get notified every time we drop a new episode, which is about every two weeks. Uh, our episode next week is on, I think, uh, I think our episode next week is on uh, making sure that we're creating authenticity and reality in our organizations and not superficial. Um, 
And that's been tough over the last two years to create this authenticity and reality in a virtual world. So that's the next YouTube episode. Uh, until then, uh, share this podcast episode with a, a friend or a colleague you think might find it useful. And we'll see you here next time. Lead on.